Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is where the Big Blue Nation comes for the latest news and views on the Cats. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Interact with the show now by tweeting at Leach Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. Call us at 877-904-1080. Now, the voice of your Wildcats, Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. Welcome in. It is our Tuesday game day edition of the Leach Report from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studios here in Lexington, KY. Uh, Cats and Kansas tonight in the Champions Classic. Unlike any Champions Classic before it, uh, the doubleheader featuring Kentucky, Kansas, Duke, and Michigan plays out in two venues as Michigan State will play at Duke at Cameron Indoor Stadium in the first half of the doubleheader. And the second half will be in Indianapolis uh, between Kentucky and Kansas. The uh, game day crew, uh, Seth Greenberg, who will join us in a bit, and others will be, uh, Reese Davis and, and that crew will be up in uh, Lafonso Ellis, up in um, Bristol, Connecticut, at the ESPN Studios. You'll have different broadcast crews at the at the site for TV. I think uh, the, the radio broadcast crews, we're going to be working from a studio over at uh, UK uh, for games away from Rupp Arena this season. So it's a first for Mike and I. I think uh, the national radio uh, doing the same thing. So they're not going to be, I don't think there's any fans there tonight. So going to be uh, just a... Uh, latest chapter in an odd, odd sports year as uh, we get to our Wildcat news of the day. As I mentioned, Seth Greenberg from ESPN will be our leadoff today. We'll chat with Larry Vaught from Vaught'sViews.com and John Hale from the Courier-Journal. Kentucky traveled up to, to Indy a day early. Cal has talked about traveling on game day this season because of uh, trying to minimize coronavirus risk. But with uh, some dicey weather here with the snow and such in Kentucky, uh, he elected to take the team up last night. So they are uh, in Indy. will uh, practice there today. Uh, Kentucky coming off the loss to Richmond. Uh, one of the things Calipari talked about as he reviewed the tape of that game was how bad the spacing was offensively for Kentucky. So they will no doubt do some things to try to work on that ahead of tonight's matchup. Be uh, you know a, a different kind of challenge. Uh, Richmond was uh, you know outmanned athletically, but had a tremendous advantage in uh, experience. Uh, was uh, much smaller, but the, uh, uh, the Spiders uh, 
just kind of packed it in as Kentucky struggled to make shots from the outside, where I think Kansas will uh, probably play them more aggressively, will uh, get into passing lanes and things, and so there may be some more opportunities to uh, attack the basket than there were as Richmond packed it in. But still, if Kentucky's not making threes, Kansas will eventually uh, take the same approach. Cal said they want to take 17 to 20 threes per game. They only took 10, missed them all against Richmond. Uh, look for Davion Mintz to play more. Had 10 minutes against Richmond. Calipari said yesterday they thought for uh, a short time that he had two fouls, and that's why he was uh, sitting in the first half for a stretch when he might have been playing. And this is another example of something that's related to all of the coronavirus issues because with the new setup at Rupp Arena to be able to play games in there, the official scores are no longer on the same side as the teams in between the benches. They're on the other side of the floor where Mike and I are doing our broadcast from. Normally, we're looking across at the official scores and the clock operators and all of those things. And if there's a, an issue, uh, a coach can just you know turn and uh, say something to somebody uh, you know on his support staff to check on that, and they can you know take two steps and do that. And now you know this is a, it's a little different. Uh, with making all, all those just simple things like that happen. So uh, I think we'll see more of Davion Mintz tonight. Uh, Keon Brooks, we won't see. He's going to be out probably two to three more weeks, Cal said yesterday, as uh, he tries to recover from an injury. And um, uh, I think his absence certainly was, was noteworthy in a game like the one loss on Saturday, on the Sunday afternoon. Mark Stoops yesterday did his regular Monday media sessions um, during the radio show last night uh news broke about kelvin joseph uh going to uh, opt out for the final game to prepare for the nfl draft he's kentucky's leader in interceptions i think still leads the sec and uh, after picking one off down in alabama week before last and stoop said uh, joseph came to him after stoops had done his media session at midday and wanted to not play in the game, but still stay around the team. And Stoops said they're not going to handle situations like that. If you're on on the team and you're healthy enough to play, then you play. If 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 there are reasons you don't want to do that, then um, thanks for your thanks for your service, and uh, we'll move on and give you all the support that that you need for the draft. And that's kind of the plan here with Kelvin Joseph. Uh, Stoops was asked about uh, a bowl game, which. There's no requirement for a certain number of wins to play in a bowl game this season. Stoops said uh, he'll get feedback from the team, and um, then they'll make that decision next week. So not something that they're really thinking about right now. Uh, he did say on the radio show, expounded a little bit, uh, that he you know wants to know a little bit about what the bowl experience would be like for his players. Um, you know, Normally it's something that is – you know, a, a reward for a season, and you get to have some fun as players and do some things. Um, there's also, um, you know, uh, opportunities to spend more time with families, etc. at bowl games. Well, probably a lot of that won't happen with the current uh, deal that we have going on. So, uh, and Ru- Chris Rodriguez, Justin Rigg back on the depth chart this week. That's good to see. And Stoop said he's confident J.J. Weaver will be able to be back for next season. Going to get to a break. When we come back, we'll check in with Coach Greenberg from ESPN. It is the Leach Report Radio Network, and we are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington.
It's the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. Coming up next, it's Kentucky Sports Radio with Matt Jones. Welcome back into our show for this Tuesday. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Bring on Coach Seth Greenberg from ESPN. Uh, We'll be part of the broadcast of the Champions Classic tonight, but we normally would all be together in one spot, and unfortunately that won't be the case. Will you be in studio? Yeah, I'll be in the studio, yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, it's all spread out, so uh, LaFonzo, myself, and Reese will be in the studio, and Coach Vitale and, uh, and Jay will be uh, on site. Well, let's talk about Kentucky's loss to Richmond on Sunday to, to start. I mean, it's a very good Richmond team. I think I saw in Ken Palm, they're 20th in the nation in experience. Kentucky's typically in the, you know, they were 230 in the, in the rankings. That's typical for Kentucky, but the difference in experience certainly showed up. Yeah, it showed up, especially uh, the further you got into the game. Uh, it, it, it reared its head. I, I tweeted this at halftime when they were up four. Kentucky was up four. I said, Kentucky's up four, but, you know, you can do anything once. It's how long you can do it. And, you know, the ability to maintain a defensive presence, uh, the ability to continue to uh, compete offensively, get the shot you want, share the basketball, uh, play your strengths, play through adversity, uh, that, that was the challenge. And, uh, you know, eventually that got him. What were the things you were, were seeing that uh, caused you to think it was going to turn in the second half? I thought they did some good things defensively. I didn't like what they were doing offensively. I didn't think they were screening anyone, even in this go in, like the Iverson cut to wide pin down stuff. Uh, you know, I thought that, that the decision-making and the ball movement wasn't as crisp as it needed to be. I thought they did a nice job of, of establishing Olivier, and I thought he did a good job of finishing. I didn't like that he wasn't finishing aggressively through contact. Here's the thing, and people just need to understand, not one of those guys has put that uniform on before the start of the season. You put COVID as part of that and the limited access they really had to those guys, uh, it's even going to be harder to have Camp Cal. Thin uh, bodies are going to get worn down. Uh, not a dominant point guard in that, you know, Askew's going to be a fine player. I think Davion uh, Mintz is going to be a very good player because of his shot making. And they're going to make shots. Uh, but they're not they're not tough, tough enough physically or mentally to, to maintain something right now is, is a concern. Cal talked after, <coughs> after the game we talked with Cal, and he, he referenced opportunities to pass that, that they didn't take advantage of. Mintz in particular was open for some threes that uh, annoyed Cal. But, you know, if you, you can call it you know, too much individual play, selfishness, whatever word, it, it would seem to me that that comes from, you know, you, you just don't trust the, the teammates fully yet. And you think, okay, I'm really good. I'm just going to get the basket and make, you know, and, and get us back on track. And all of that would seem to me to be quite natural for a team that hasn't had much time playing together and that is that young. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Although I don't think those kids are selfish. They want to be part of the solution. They don't want to be part of the problem. They don't know right now the situation they're in. They don't know. They haven't had enough time with each other to trust each other. They don't have right. enough time with each other to understand each other's instincts and where they want the ball, how they want the ball. And the same thing for John trying to figure out where guys want the ball. Uh, they've all been the guy they've played that, that their teams have played through. So now they got to understand, and I think that this is one of the reasons I think John's t- players have such good, easy transition into the NBA. Is they're used to playing with good players. They're used to guys playing to their strengths. Uh, they understand what their strengths are. These guys haven't gotten to that point yet, if you know what I mean. No, and that makes uh, makes perfect sense. Um, 
Let's talk about Kansas and um, what you saw out of them in their uh, game with Gonzaga last week, and uh, where the Jayhawks are coming into this game. I think I think they're I think they're good. Uh, I really do. Um, I think that when you think about look, you got an elite point guard, and this is going to be a challenge for Kentucky. You know, can Marcus Garrett get up and under Davion? Get 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 under uh, up and under asking. That's going to be interesting. How much can he disrupt? How much can he push him out? How much can he speed him up? Uh, O'Shea Baji's and, and Christian Braun, I think, is huge. But Obaji's a guy that's you know he he's an interesting player to watch because. He does have the experience. Now, he teases you some, but he's got a maturity about him. He's got a physicality about him. He's got a, you know, he's got a toughness about him. The pace that they play is also something that, you know, it's very different than this Richmond game. This, that game is going to go, it's going to go up and down. It's going to be fast. It's going to be defensive transition, full balance. Uh, they're going to be up in passing lanes. So, you know, Kansas tries to speed you up by getting up underneath you. You know, how are they going to handle that? So there's a lot of things because of the maturity and because of the experience uh, that Kansas, you know, poses that is going to be, is going to be interesting. Now, uh, you know, I would think that John has an advantage in Saar against McCormick. That's if you can get him the ball. If the defense doesn't push the offense out that far. Uh, but I think it's going to be a, a, it's going to be a tremendous test. The, the pace and speed of the game uh, as much as anything, I think is going to be interesting because it's such a different game that they're going to have to play. I do like Bryce Thompson, the freshman. I think he has a feel for scoring. And Jalen Wilson has, you know, you know, experience as well. So this pace, the physicality, and playing against the team that is going to try to take you out of what you're trying to do on every pass and every dribble, I think that's going to be a challenge. And then defensive transition, I think, is going to be a big challenge. As Buki really developed nicely at Kansas uh, into last season, and now they've still got a big body there, McCormick, but he's not the player Azubuki was. How do they, how are they different uh, without Azubuki? Yeah, they, well, I think it's, how different are they without without Azubuki and without Dotson? Dotson gave some buckets when they when they broke down. You know what I mean? I mean when when things broke down, uh, Dotson would you know, just come off that high ball screen and go. Or you're gonna have to deal with a ton of dribble handoffs. Look, when Azubuki's on the court, you, had a, you literally, your defensive game plan had a, had a start with him, especially in the half court. I called him the immovable object. Um, so, I mean, Dave McCormick's not, not the immovable object. And Marcus Garrett's a different point guard than, than Dotson. So you have those two factors that defensively make it a little bit easier. Now, they got shot makers and they got playmakers. I'm more concerned Kentucky... Kansas's defense and the impact it's going to have on Kentucky, a team that turned it over 21 times against uh, a very good Richmond defensive team, but not a defensive team that is disruptive, a defensive team that can steal the ball, but more just hard to score against. So I'm interested to see. They're going to have to compete offensively. Um, they're going to have to fight to catch the ball where they want. They're going to have to fight to catch the ball and drive it with, with strength because they're going to have big physical bodies on them all the time. So with Coach Seth Greenberg, you'll see him on the ESPN coverage of the Champions Classic tonight. Um, with Kentucky, Cal's teams always take a little while to, uh, as he says, find the best way for them to play. You know, at, at this time, a couple of years ago, we didn't know that things were all, all going to run through Shea. I mean, uh, just one example of how, you know, they, they find out after, you know, several games 
what what the best way is going to play because they're always so new. At this point, how do you think it'll play out for this team as far as uh, their most effective way to uh, attack? I think they're going to attack through their wings. I think that, I think Mitchell. I I I think David Mitchell's got to be on the floor because I think he stretches the defense and so it opens up driving lanes. So I'm going to see what's going to happen like that from there. And I think they got to play through Sar and play out of doubles. And I think if, he, if Sar catches it on that right block on the left block, I think he's going to be really good. He's got to be a little stronger and get used to the intensity that John wants him to play with. But uh, I think they're going to be fine. I mean, I, I like. Panic is typical for an absolute big rumination. I understand the expectation and everything else. John will figure out how he wants this team to play. But I think that, you know, those two wing guys got to get the ball early in transition, which means you got to rebound the ball cleanly. Uh, I think that you've got to find a way to utilize some type of post action to get mince open shots and use maybe Clark and Boston as slashers and cutters up in post uh, action. Uh, and I think that they've got to be really, really aggressive defensively because you got that in front court, you got the average protection, and you have a length on the wings that can that, that can get out and pass lanes. Yeah, I would think eventually when they become better defenders, especially playing, you know, defending collectively, that with their length they should be able to get a lot of points off their defense. Exactly. Yeah, they got to get out. They got to jump passing lanes. They're going to look to jump switch on dribble handoffs. Uh, switch out, and, but they still have to keep it in front. You know Cal, he wants to keep that thing in front. Absolutely. Yeah, so, so there's got to be a balance between uh, risk and reward, but I do think that he's going to look to, to extend things out a little bit. Coach, appreciate the time. Stay safe. You too. Safe travels too. Be Thank, well. Thank you. Coach Seth Greenberg from ESPN joining us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline here on the Leach Report. Kentucky Hemp Works is a family-run operation from Christian County. Three generations of the same family. They grow the hemp in their fields, process it on site into a variety of products that you can see at the website, KentuckyHempWorks.com. They like to say they're more than just CBD. And part of the more is educating folks in Kentucky on the importance of the hemp industry to the family farms here that are just such a, a key part of Kentucky's economy. So check out their YouTube channel, see some of those videos that speak to that issue. They're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, too, with some fun giveaways from KentuckyHempWorks.com. We'll continue after this time out. It is the Leach Report Radio Network. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the Cats. Another night of some disappointing results for the SEC in college basketball. Stanford beat Alabama 82-64 in the Maui Classic in Asheville. (laughs) And it's just one of many unexpected things you... uh, We'll hear in 2020. And Central Florida beat Auburn 63-55. Uh, to 55. Both Bama and Auburn slipped to 1-2 and two on the season. And um, they're now reporting, ESPN reporting, uh, among others, that the Ravens-Steelers game is going to be pushed back to 3.40 Wednesday afternoon. Uh, Ravens are apparently going to have 13 players out. Uh, I think there's an issue with John Connor for the Steelers. I can't remember if it's if it's COVID or not or an injury, but uh, uh, looks like Benny Stell might be the number one running back for the Steelers in this game. Larry Ball will join us when we come right back. It's the Leach Report, served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. 
Mark's Papa Chop Studio. We begin the second half of the Leach Report. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on our buddy Larry Vaught. You can read him at Vaught'sViews.com. And uh, it's, what is the other site, Larry? YourSportsEdge.com? Yes, correct, Tom. Thank you. So you can find both of those. Uh, let's talk a little basketball first. Uh, well, here, here's before we do that, let me give you uh, – this, this comes under the heading of, uh, like so many things, that's so 2020. Um, I just was reading this ESPN story going into the last break, and I punched it up where the Ravens-Steelers game has been moved to 340 on Wednesday. And Shannon asked uh, why they kick it off at such an odd time. I said, well, let me read a little bit further here. Uh, the reason is it's uh, a game that uh, is slated to air on NBC. It was supposed to be the Sunday night, or actually the Thanksgiving night game, and it's been postponed because of the uh, coronavirus outbreak with the Ravens. So now it's going to be on Wednesday afternoon at 3.40 because NBC is committed to showing the Christmas tree lighting from Rockefeller Center for the 88th time on Wednesday night. Oh, yeah, you got, got to keep your priorities straight. Plus, I don't know why, if you can't play Tuesday night, I'm a little surprised that you can play it by 3.40 on Wednesday. I mean, sometimes these protocols simply amaze me. So we'll see if they even get to play tomorrow or not. Well, it's it's. I mean, there's. I guess the timelines for the protocols. Uh, we were told that uh, Chris Rodriguez missed by one day of being able to play last weekend at Florida. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's just crazy trying to figure all that stuff out and all. So it, it it's just amazing. And but I think you're right. That's so 2020. You just kind of go along with it and figure that's the way it is. And as John John Calipari said, what the other day. To, Tommy, just glad they're playing basketball. If he has to do whatever, just be glad you're playing basketball. I think that's the only attitude any of us can have right now. Yeah, and let's start with the basketball game tonight. Kentucky and Kansas up in Indianapolis. And off what you saw on Sunday, what are you expecting to see tonight? Well, I I think we'll see a little bit better organized Kentucky team, and I hope we see a little bit better passing Kentucky team. The, The second half, they just kind of, came came unglued and kind of got away from all the concepts that you need to to be successful and that's not something we haven't seen before in a November or December game from a John Calipari team and they usually rebound and learn from it pretty well and I, I was pretty impressed with the way that uh, B.J. Boston and Terrence Clark both talked about the loss and, and how they were handling it and pretty mature guys and I mean, that's all you can do now is try to learn from it and go forward, and I think they will. And I also think they're a, a better three-point shooting team than what we saw. I don't think we'll see another game where they don't make one, or at least I hope we don't. Uh, you know, you're pointing about Boston and Clark. I didn't hear Boston, but Clark was on with Mike Pratt, and he was, was very good, very sounded. Uh, in fact, one of our uh, people said he sounded like a senior more than a freshman. Yeah, I think I think they both did, and, and they seemed to understand what went on. And you can tell it also hurt them both that Kentucky did lose. And, and, and sometimes in this day and age, you talk to athletes after games and they're upset a little bit about the way that they played or the team played. But I'm not always sure how much losing really impacts them. I think both these guys are not used to losing and didn't like losing, and, and that's a good sign. But they've got a pretty tough task to bounce back tonight against a good team with more veterans and some unique lineups and also it'll be interesting to see how that uh, holds out. I was going to make sure I take a nap this afternoon so I can watch. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be an interesting night for uh, Mike Pratt and I because we'll be working for a remote yeah. studio for the first time, so that's a little different too. 
Well, it's a lot yeah. different. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm anxious to see how, how you like it when it's over and uh, over and done. Maybe, maybe you'll get more TV angles, and maybe you'll say, well, this isn't so bad. Maybe this ought to do it all the time. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, I did think that Keon Brooks' absence was really uh, noticeable in this game because he's a guy that might have as a, you know even just a second-year player, but I think he's a guy uh, that seems to be the leader of the group that uh, they, they look to. Uh, yeah, he's, he's only played one year here, but there's also just a way of presence that he has, the way he carries himself, that I think he has. Uh, he's, he will be a leader when he's back out there and playing. But, you know, he maybe would have been a guy that could have gotten them together at some point on the court to say the right thing at the right time. Plus, he made a couple of threes that came down at Florida where he started. He's a guy that can make, uh, make threes, too. Yeah, and I think it's been pretty obvious all through the whole preseason. Anytime you talk to any of these guys, they usually have mentioned Keon doing this for us or Keon doing that or Keon being our, our leader so that he's the guy they, they do look to. And I don't think there's any doubt he could have helped some. And, but, but then again, part of me sometimes wonders, Tom, if, if John's okay with this, that he likes him to have some struggles and, and they learn from that because he's caught up with or understands Pick the big picture is what you do in March, and not what you do in November. Not that you want to lose a game, but if you if, but if you learn lessons from it that keep you from losing in March, I think sometimes John is okay with that. Yeah, I don't think it. Uh, I don't think he loses too much sleep over uh, you know losses in November when you have a team that's you know really young. It's some of the things that uh, some of the breakdowns they had are really not that surprising. That you know team a group of guys that haven't played much together might try to take the game over themselves rather than trust a teammate to do it until they've had more time together. Yeah, uh, I think it's guys that just wanted to win, but they went about wanting to win in the wrong way, and they have to learn that because in high school they could do that. At this level, you can't always do that. And and let's give Richmond credit. I mean, Richmond's pretty pretty darn good. I mean, that's a team that they're playing the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. I don't think it would be a surprise to a lot of people. No, it's it's an entirely different situation than say the Evansville game last year. This is a quality team um, that uh, will win a lot of games uh, unless they have any, any more injuries. Let's switch to football and um, uh, Kelvin Joseph uh, dropping out, um, and uh, it seemed like Mark Stoops yesterday at his news conference uh, was certainly took a little pride in the fact that that hadn't happened yet. So I'm sure he's a little disappointed at that, but you know. He made it clear last night on the radio show that you know, uh, staying hanging around but not playing when you were healthy enough to play wasn't an option. Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. And I, I have a feeling that after what happened last Saturday, that maybe Kelvin knew he was going to be in a big time doghouse this week based on what Mark had said at his press conference yesterday. I thought it was kind of ironic after Mark said that yeah that. Uh, Kelvin won't be doing some of that stuff anymore. And a few hours later, he opts out. And I, and I will just say, if he truly opted out only to start get a head start on his NFL training, he must have a hell of a trainer if, if just what he's going to learn in these next five days are going to make him more draft-ready than playing an SEC game. So whoever that trainer is, if he's going to work that kind of magic, he must have a pretty full client list or must really be good. That must be that may be his uh, what he puts on his business card. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's been a, uh, a difficult season, certainly for everybody dealing with COVID nineteen. But these guys have had more on their plate with the passing of John Schlarman and what happened to Chris Oates. You know, even in thing we 
uh, with everything else, we probably haven't talked about it enough. Is uh, and I thought about it with JJ Weaver going down. His dad was was murdered in the off season, um, and uh, so just so many things for this group. I uh, saw a tweet from our friend Van Hiles uh, comparing it to '94 when the Trent DeGiro murder happened and how that you know just really impacted that team emotionally, mentally, and so. Uh, I know I've heard you talk on the Sunday show that you've had some conversations with people that have maybe uh, given you more insight into that. Yeah, I, I, in fact, just a couple of days ago, I talked to a, uh, a, a someone who's really close to a lot of folks at the UK football program, telling me that he thought it was just impossible for media, and he said fans, just to understand the impact of all the things that you just talked about, what they've had on this team and then trying to deal with the things in COVID, how hard that's been for, for young guys to have to cope with this over such a long period of time. And, and, and to Mark Stoops' credit, he won't make any excuses. I think Kentucky and South Carolina are the only two SEC teams that have gone through and are going to play. Hopefully every game that was scheduled, they're going to be playing them right when they were supposed to. And Mark's had some, obviously had some chances. He, his team could have probably opted out of a game, and, and they didn't, but it, it's just been tough, and I think Mark was really sincere when he said that if they get offered a bowl bid, which I think they will, that unless the players are all in about wanting to do it, that they won't take it, and I think after Saturday, maybe he doesn't know if they'll be all in. I mean, I think they will be, based on the fact, like I said, that none of them had opted out until Kelvin did, but I think emotionally it's impossible to know what this season's been like, much less the, the physical part of it, but just the emotional part of it, and you have this happen like to J.J. right now, it's just another kind of blow for this team to take. He was a guy that was really playing terrific, terrific football, and now you kind of hope that everything's okay and he's back ready to go at the start of next season. Very true. Larry Vaughn, thank you much. All right, Tom. Larry Vaughn joining us on the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. John Hales, next up, it is the Leach Report Radio Network. This is where the Big Blue Nation gathers. It's Talk Radio 1080 and the Leach Report, followed by Kentucky Sports Radio. Back at the KentuckyHempWorks.com online, and we bring on John Hale, who covers the Cats for Courier-Journal.com. And um, Kentucky and Kansas tonight up in Indianapolis. Just trying to look through some numbers here, John. If Kentucky were to lose tonight, they would fall to 1-2 and two. I don't think Cal has ever been under 500, has he, at any point in his time here? Wow, that, yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't even thought about that. I know that what I think the last three years they've lost one of their first three games, but they're generally the schedule set up in such a way where they play those four, five, six uh, kind of low major teams in November as part of their MTE, and that didn't happen this year since Detroit got canceled. So, yeah, I, I can't imagine that has been a situation at any other time and just another weird 2020 thing. Yeah, a, a long. That, that's a long list. Yeah. Uh, what uh, do you expect to see tonight? What are you be looking for uh, when Kentucky takes the court against Kansas? Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see the rotation a little bit more too. I mean, uh, Cal admitted yesterday that you know I think he said three guys played too too many minutes, which I assume he's talking about Olivier Saar and, and Devin Askew and at least one of uh, Boston and Clark. Uh, he needs to, to find some guys to spell them, especially early in the season. 
I, I think there was an issue apparently with Davion Metz uh, on Sunday where they thought he had two fouls for most of the first half and then uh, it took him a long time to figure out he didn't and, and so that's why he wasn't in the rotation more. I assume he'll play tonight. Uh, you need his kind of veteran presence out there against a team like Kansas. They've got to find something else from the post rotation because I thought it was pretty obvious in the second half that Sar really was affected by fatigue, and, and I think that probably contributed to him missing some of those close shots around the basket and some of the turnovers. So they've got to get something out of Lance Ware or uh, Jacob Toppin or you know Cameron Fletcher just to to make sure that that Sar's not playing that much until um, Keon Brooks comes back and you get another weapon there. So that for me is is going to be number one, and then. Obviously, just how, how do the young guys respond? I mean, uh, they can go one of two ways, and, and they seem like the, the kind of players that, that feed off adversity, but it, it didn't go very well in their first test of adversity on Sunday. So I'm, I'm interested to see how those young guys bounce back in a marquee game with all the light shining on them, no fans in the stands, which will be really weird. But they've got to fight against that you know, kind of complacency or that urge to, to do it all on themselves and, and not play within the system. And if they do that again tonight, they'll lose. You know, the, the minutes and the rotations is an interesting point because, you know, if, if you have Keon Brooks, then Sar easily plays fewer right. minutes because there are times you can have Jackson at the five and, and Brooks at the, at the four. Um, and, uh, you know, you've got a, a rotation of guys there. You know, they tried Lance Ware. He kept getting into foul trouble as soon as he would yep. come in the other day. So he couldn't stay on the floor. And then uh, they tried uh, Fletcher had really struggles defensively. Um, and, um, you know, they were playing decent defensively, especially, you know, defending back doors and things. So, you know, I can see why Fletcher would, uh, you know, if he's, if he's having trouble guarding, you, you have trouble keeping him on the floor. They tried topping, same thing there. So, um, you know, it'd be interesting to see if any of those other guys get more of a chance tonight. Yeah, and, and Kansas is a team that plays four, sometimes five guards. So you wonder if Cal might even be willing to, to go with Mintz, ask you, Clark and Boston all together out there. I mean, it's not like Boston and Clark are small guys by any means, but you know that would be a an option to, to go small at the four and, and against a team that's going to go four or five guards anyway a lot of the game. It maybe is not the mismatch that it would be in some other matchups. So uh, I think he's got to got to be a little flexible if if Keon's really out for two to three more weeks. Um, the the test is is difficult tonight, and the teams they're playing. I don't think they can afford to have Olivier as fatigued as he was in the second half on Sunday. Uh, let's shift over to football. You heard Mark Snoop's media session yesterday, maybe the radio show last night as well. What's your take on uh, what your takeaways uh, that uh, from what you heard from him yesterday? Yeah, I thought the number one thing that was really interesting was uh, when he was asked about the offense, which he gets asked about every time he talks. Now, he, you know, he said that basically all options are on the table, and he's going to evaluate it next week after the last game. So. To me, that means they're going to have to send some sort of seg- signal to recruits before signing day on, what, December 16th here in a couple weeks as to what they're doing moving forward. Uh, they already lost one wide receiver commitment last week. They've got to keep those other two guys at that position in the fold. They've got to convince uh, those offensive skill players, not only the ones that are recruiting now, but the young ones on their own roster if the free transfer rule passes in January like everybody ex- expects, that this is not going to be what the offense looks like moving forward I, I don't know if that means staff changes or just a system change or whatever it's going to be but I, th- I expect they're going to going to have some sort of statement pretty quickly after Saturday's game to, to say what it looks like just because the, the way the calendar sets up you don't have a lot of time to to take your time with that decision you need to tell the recruits you need to tell the current guys what it's going to look like moving forward and it seems like Mark is already well into that kind of evaluation point 
you know, as far as um, the new transfer rule and, you know, what's expected to, to come there, um, you're going to have to – you're always going to be you know, recruiting out of the high school ranks, or JUCO, whatever. But you're also going to be having to, to re-recruit some of your own players at times because, you know, I'm sure, you know, if – you're, if you were a school that missed out on one of the young receivers that's in the Kentucky program, you'll be going back to him now and saying, "Hey, you want to rethink about rethink about coming to play for us?" Yeah, absolutely. And, and we've talked so much about that rule in the context of the basketball program and, and John Calipari being able to go out and poach, you know, veteran guys at low to mid major teams. Even though he says he doesn't want to do that, I think that he's not going to have much option that maybe were overlooked as recruits but have now blossomed into potential NBA prospects and, and to build experience that way. But for the football program, it's almost the exact opposite. You've you got to worry that – I don't necessarily think any of these guys would have left, but you know, if the Benny Snells and Josh Allens of the world who did not get those big offers out of high school have blossomed into real stars by the time they're sophomores or juniors at Kentucky, I mean, some of those big programs are going to come – asking for them or they're going to be you know going through back channels to talk to their people and see what the the interest is and maybe going and competing for a national championship so it's going to be a factor moving forward even outside of the offense and those young players and keeping them around it's just going to be part of the system and it's going to be really interesting to see how every staff adapts to it but especially kentucky yeah it's probably probably just going to have to have a guy on your staff working just in that area i would think yeah, definitely. And it, uh, we talked to what Jay Lucas, the basketball assistant, the recruiting coordinator a few weeks ago, and he, he said that straight up that even Kentucky, the basketball program, they're going to have to recruit their own players to make sure they're sticking around. And so for a team like Kentucky in basketball that, that has all the, all the things working for it, uh, it that tells you what the football program is going to have to do too. It, it's certainly going to be a focus. The good news is, is everything we've seen about that, that program is that one of their real strengths of the staff is developing those relationships and forging them over time. And they've been recruiting so many of those guys since they were freshmen, sophomores in high school that it, it, it really helps, I think, when they get to campus and, and the loyalty factor is there. And we saw it this season until last night they hadn't had a single player opt out. And I think that that's a lot, that says a lot about the culture they've built. And I think that will help them when it comes to this, this kind of uh, transfer market that's going to be coming. You can read him at career-journal.com at Hale underscore CJ on Twitter. Thank you, sir. Anytime. Thanks for having me. We'll wrap it up after this timeout. It's the Leach Report. Radio Network served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This day in Wildcat history presented by a new sponsor. Welcome to the program. Rave On. R-A-V-E. Rave On. It's a new app. And you can download it uh, from the app store here shortly. We'll tell you more about it uh, soon. 1998, Kentucky and Kansas met for the first time in eight years. It was in the grade eight in Chicago, and Kentucky prevailed 63-45. to Hashimu Evans flirted with a double, with a triple-double. He had 11 points, 11 boards, and six assists in the game. There's a, a long-time uh, beat reporter, for South Carolina sports that uh, is reporting a source tells him that, quote, the wheels are in motion for Oklahoma assistant Shane Beamer to be the next head coach at South Carolina. So a little news there out of Gamecock world as they prepare to come in and face Kentucky this Saturday night. Uh, Beamer is a former South Carolina assistant. Uh, of course, his dad, uh, Frank Beamer, who was the longtime coach at Virginia Tech. Uh, tip time has been set for the Kentucky-Louisville game on December 26th. It'll be a noon tip at uh, Louisville's home court. 
Coming up tonight, late one, Cats in Kansas. Mike Pratt and I will be on the call. Be here to talk to you about it tomorrow on the Leach Report from the Clark's Pump and Shop Studios. Have a great day, Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to LeachReport at gmail.com. See you next time, right here on the Leach Report. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work, limited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.